Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from the Temporary Drunk Gossip Studios here in Detroit. And the long-awaited return to New York should be happening fairly soon, and with that will be the epic return of Will. Um, He's brewing up some stuff right now. So, um, get ready for that. Get ready for just a a, a really good time overall. Um, uh, For those who like hearing me in Detroit because it means a reduced production schedule. Well, too bad. (laughs) No, um... The the reduced production schedule will probably not stick even. Um, it it'll, it might stick for like a couple weeks, as I get back into the New York way of life. But um, the this was never intended to be a permanent production schedule. Um, we'll be going back to seven days a week fairly soon. So. Uh, you know, I, I was going to talk about how people speculate that Will and I feud, but no. No one actually thinks Will and I even have a disagreement. We do, by the way. Um, but when we when we disagree, um, it, it's more of a just a, all right, you're going to think your way, I'm going to think my way. I respect you, you respect me type of thing. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case for Megan McCain. And uh, Sarah Haynes, the former View co-hosts, have the former View co-hosts. Uh, well, Megan McCain seemingly took a swipe at Sarah Haynes's new show. As well as her former co-host, because it was outrated by Fox News show by a Fox News show. So let me read you the tweet that got this whole thing started, and then we'll go from there. She tweeted. So proud of you, Harris. Not that you need the accolades. Thank you for always being a woman I can look up to in this industry for all the goals I wish to achieve myself and for being a pillar of strength and friendship I can rely on and you do it all with grace and class. And there was a a link to Outnumbered Overtime with Ferris. Um, with With Harris Faulkner... Um... Which basically reported that Outnumbered Overtime had beaten Strahan and Sarah eight times out of seventeen in um out of out of seventeen episodes it beat Strahan and Sarah seven um eight times uh, in July alone. And before that in um, in the fall of last year, it beat it 20 times. Now, these are not significant numbers. Um, the, the 8 out of 17 is significant, especially since I was contained to one month. The 20 times in the fall, you're looking at a three-month period of time and whatnot. But... We already knew Strahan and Sarah was in trouble um, when they did a a revamp of the when they did a revamp of the show, retitled it. Um, when they decided to bring in Kiki Palmer, we knew that there was some kind of issue, and they're just. I think they're, what they're trying to do is just build the show. Around Strahan and Sarah. Um, and it'll probably end up being another panel show, to be honest. 
um, not having watched it, what I've seen that the critics are saying is it doesn't it doesn't have an identity. It wants to be news, which is fine, but then it jumps to wanting to be Kelly and Ryan, which would be fine too, but you can't be both. Um, even though Kelly Ripa said in an interview on a, um, on Lunch with Bruce, which is which airs on Radio Andy, that. On 9-11, her and Regis actually did have to uh, be both. They they actually did have to be newscasters for that day. At least until uh, um, the anchors and everyone got into the studio. But, there had always been word that Megan McCain and Sarah Haynes did not get along. Um, and now word is coming out that Sarah Haynes actually left The View, which was a cushy job for her, because she really didn't like Megan McCain very much. And Megan McCain was making life on the set hell. And producers at the time saw an opportunity <coughs> to... Um, try to launch another show. So that's exactly what they did. Um, and what we're seeing now is that it's not going the greatest. Of course, ABC denies any feuding between the two former co-hosts. They said, this is ridiculous. Maybe you should, your source should check TV Guide in a portion of the country, in a good portion of the country. Those shows aren't even on at the same time. Megan can be proud of her friend's success and her ABC Pales, too. Another, um, Another source, probably after Megan got reamed out by her ABC bosses, said Megan was congratulating and supporting a friend, nothing more than that. Uh, you know, um, with Megan McCain being on her way out, look for more of these type of stories to start percolating. Um, you know, people are, people may not believe or may choose to believe the company line. But with ABC, you can never believe the company line. And I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And people are speculating that the demise of Will and Grace happened because of a feud between Deborah Messing and Megan Mullally. Now... It was reported a long time ago that um, when the show ended its first eight-season run, um, it came to an end because um, the cast was just not getting along as well anymore, ratings were declining, and um, nobody thought that it was... The producers didn't think that it was worth paying through the nose for one more season and possibly tarnishing the legacy of the show. Uh, The network didn't want to pay the licensing fee um, for a show that, um, while still winning and still doing fairly well in the ratings, was on the decline and not necessarily bringing in the accolades and um, the Emmys the way it used to. Um, 
And then the stars just didn't think that what they were being paid was enough, and that, and especially not enough to um, get paid to deal with one another. Um, of course, this that was years ago, uh, at least fifteen years ago. Um, and there's no indication that there were still hard feelings, um, or that there ever actually were hard feelings between the cast. Um, what we, what we can see for sure is that, yes, the show came to an end. Yes, it was an expensive show because the cast, um, had won Emmys and had been playing these parts for eight years and had successfully renegotiated their contracts. However, when the reboot hit, it was a huge hit. Um, and it was just, everyone was so super excited. Um, but and the uh, the critic the critical acclaim was there, but so much had changed since their first run that networks, especially when it comes to comedy, networks don't really get the Emmy nominations like they used to, and I believe they only got one single nomination for Megan Mullally, which had to have hurt. So, Deborah Messick has been kicking up her political, um, her political beliefs again, reigniting a, a seemingly one-sided feud with Susan Sarandon uh, over Susan Sarandon supporting Bernie Sanders. Um... Now, we don't know, this is just speculation right now, that um, there could have been something very similar that happened between um, Deborah Messing and Megan Mullally. It does stand a reason that um, this is the case. Um... And, you know, you can't really fault Deborah for believing in her cause while encouraging people to let the political candidates know what they believe. However, and you knew there was going to be a however, um, I just need to say again, the, we don't know what actually caused the fallout. If there actually was a fallout, we're going to get to that part in a second, um, between Megan and... Deborah. There is um, some, at least seemingly some heft to there being a falling out between the two female co-stars. They have unfollowed one another on social media, which everyone knows in today's day and age is the same thing as saying I hate you. I don't want to be your friend no more. Um, Further adding to this is um, both women still follow Eric McCormack and Sean Hayes. So, what what um, what did I mean when I said Seemingly. Well, there's a new theory floating around that perhaps this is all just to drum up publicity for the final season of Will and Grace and possibly a story arc between Deborah Messing's Grace and Megan Mullally's Karen, where they actually have 
um, a feud. And there is actually some support to this. Many fans, myself included, had already speculated that season three was going to be the final season of Will and Grace. Um, because of the way season this past season had ended, it seemed logical um, that that's what they were ramping up for. It also seemed very logical um, because when when the reboot debuted, it was only supposed to be a limited series. Now, in today's terminology, a limited series usually means between 8 and 13 episodes. But... I don't think that there's anything that would stop. Um, I don't think that there's anything that would actually stop people from potentially watching um, a limited series that went for a bit longer. And, I, you know, I've been re-watching the first two seasons. I bought them on iTunes. I'll buy the, this final season on iTunes. And... I think... Um, if, you, if you watch the episodes like I have, you'll see... There's a major development in every episode, which is very unusual. Um, it's very unusual for um, the show. Uh, especially a show that's used to writing standalone episodes. So I do think that there is some, some truth in that. Um, that it was always intended to be a limited series. And a falling out between Grace and Karen would fit perfectly within the history of the show and actually draw upon it. Um, They kind of played with it in in one of the earliest um, classic episodes where Grace finds out that Karen had made a fetish video. Um... And then <clears throat> there was a two-part episode um, later on in the original run as Grace is dealing with the breakup of her marriage to Leo. Karen steps up and designs a house or an apartment and Grace takes the credit for it and Karen gets very angry. <clears throat> um, so it is very believable and likely that this could um, lead to that they could be promoting a, a arc and it would be this could be a really fun way for the for the leading ladies to kind of poke fun at that a little bit but I'm going to keep an eye on this feud and Um, As soon as I know any more, I'll bring it back to you. Right now, though, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So are you a fan of Animal Kingdom? If so, this segment is for you. So, anyone who's watched this week's episode, and if you haven't, there will be a spoiler ahead, but it's already been blasted across the internet, so... Don't come at me. Don't yell at me about this. Um, But for those of you who watch Animal Kingdom, you might have been a little surprised that the show decided to kill off matriarch Smurf. 
um, she was not only the lead, but she, you know, Ellen Barkin was probably the um, the most well known star of the bunch. And yeah, you know, in in the TV world as we know it today, killing off the star or um, getting a big name to come in for a while and play is not an uncommon practice, but it's still kind of shocking um, when it happens. Homecoming will be going on without Julia Roberts. But we knew going in that that was only a one-season deal. So if anyone was is like, oh, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, perhaps you weren't paying attention then. When it comes to Animal Kingdom, though, Ellen Barkin was and continues to be the lead. Um, well, not continues to be. Her character died this week. Um, and uh, so John Mills, who I believe created ER, and if I'm wrong, I'm sure Mandy will let me know. Um, Mandy loves her ER, her ER, uh, except for the Busy Phillips episodes, if I remember correctly. Um, sorry, Busy. Um, anyways, um, John Mills, who created and continues to show run Animal Kingdom, um, went out and gave a slew of interviews, including one to Entertainment Weekly. And I'm gonna read this statement, and then we're gonna get into the gossip about it all. So... Um, he told Entertainment Weekly, we ended up spending a lot of time talking about what do we do this year to keep shuffling the deck and mixing things up? It's the animal kingdom. Not everybody's going to survive. We were feeling that we were, we were repeating a little bit the Smurf, the Smurf stories. We had told the Smurf stories in the present that we wanted to tell, but we were, what we were really interested in is how did she get to be Smurf? And that led to where we ended up. We came to the realization that the thing that would shake up the family most is if Smurf wasn't there to hold them together anymore. Once the writers ended up killing Smurf, they had to figure out the best way for her to go out, or rather, the worst. We started to talk about, all right, so how how would she go? What would be the worst scenario for Smurf? Is it she gets shot during a crime? Is it that somebody from her past returns and kills her? Should it be that one of the guys gets so frustrated that they do it? Then we, then we realize the worst thing for someone like Smurf, who somehow, even though she knows it's not real, believes she's immortal and that these kids can't live without her, would be to discover that she's dying. She, does, she doesn't ever want to be perceived as weak. She doesn't want pity. What would really terrify her would be losing control of herself and her body. Then there were countless conversations about who would actually shoot her. The cast was very interested in that. We really didn't let anyone know until we gave them the script for the read-through. So, John Wills actually tipped all of this for us. Um... And, um, kind of gave away the real reason that Smurf was killed. It's not because they wanted to keep the show interesting. A TV writer who's been around as long as he has, and he had ER on the air for about 15 years, knows how to keep a show going and keep a show, um, intriguing. Without killing off a main cast member. 
Instead, the real reason is Ellen Barkin is a terror on the set. Apparently, she was one of the most nasty people around, and quite often felt very entitled. Um, and Blind Gossip actually had a... The the day of that Animal Kingdom's episode aired where Smurf was killed, they actually put up a blind item about this. And then they solved it as soon as um, everything hit the press. So kudos to them. Um, but here we go. Here's what their source told them. Uh, here we go. She is just a nasty, negative person. Complains about everything. She got so mad about something, she actually threw a prop and hit someone with it. If she doesn't get her way, she accuses you of discriminating against her because of her age or her gender. Everyone has had it with her. And... Um... For the most part, she has been very... Um, Ellen Barkin hasn't really spoke out much. Um, all I've seen from her in terms of this um, was a, a tweet that said, R.I.P. Smurf. Um... And then there's this um, little nugget, which really seems um, very pointed. Next episode, Smurf's Will is opened. She left her boys a hit TV show, kissing emoji. Carry on, Cody's. Well, maybe not all Cody's. And... Um, but outside of that, she's not really, she's not really said very much, um, about her dismissal. I'm sure, um, you know, John Mills and other producers have been in the game a long time. They're not going to throw her under the bus any more than what John Mills already has. You know, and what, I, I don't think he... I think he inadvertently admitted that the cast was not thrilled with her. Um, What I mean by that is... um, I think, to the general public, the cast fighting to get to kill Smurf might have come across as like, oh, you know... Because it's juicy scenes, probably, you know, they might be able to submit themselves for Emmys. And not because um, Ellen Barkin was so hated. That is just for us gossip people to know. And it's also for you to know that I'm going to take a break, get me some coffee, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And there were so many ideas I had for this segment. And I don't know how this has just slowly but surely turned it into um, the writing segment. But y'all seem to love it. And I love talking about writing. So here we are. Um, um, But today we're going to take a step out of writing fiction. um, And kind of talk a little bit about writing nonfiction. Um, most of you know, um, and if you've listened to, um, this show for any amount of time, you realize, um, I, I'm a celebrity blogger, or celebrity gossip blogger, um, I'm a true crime writer, and I have covered politics, although the 2016 election really fucked with my head 
So I tried to um, scale back. Um, and I know people will like give me the side eye and whatnot. But here's the thing. For me, I enjoy writing. I enjoy my job. And let me, uh, just really quickly, I do want to say this. The people who say if you enjoy your job, you'll never work a day in your life, they're full of bullshit. I work. Uh, Do I enjoy my job? Of course I do. I love my job. Um, You know, I learn so much, and it's honestly one of the one of the best things ever but it's also work <laughs> and I, and I I'm emphasizing that because I really don't like it when people try to act like what you do is not work um you know there are so many people who are like, oh, you can work in your PJs. You must be so happy. You know, that's not really a job now, is it? Fuck you. Yes, it is. Um, I, I do happen to be lucky. Yes, I get to work in my PJs. Um, or I, I get to go and hang out in my tea shop. And, you know... Uh, hang out with my friends. I get to choose my own hours. That's all very true. But I still work my ass off. Well, some people I know only put in an eight-hour workday. I'm putting in between 10 and 15, depending on the day and what I'm working on. And, you know, people will say, well, you can take a break whenever you want. Again, that's true. But, there are deadlines to consider. And, I'm not always guaranteed, um, I'm not always guaranteed pay. Now, 99% of the clients around are fantastic and they pay. Um, And I do have a a steady regular gig. Actually, two steady regular gigs. So, I get paid. I get mine. But, if I didn't have those regular gigs, there's a chance that I would get stiffed. I've been stiffed before. So, what is this all leading to? Because you know it's leading somewhere, right? (laughs) And this is, what I'm about to tell you has been a thought of mine for a very, very long time. I just haven't had a chance to implement it yet because I haven't quite found my hook. Um, but one of the dreams I have is to become a columnist. Um, kind of like Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City. Um, but... Far more interesting. <laughs> no, um, you know, I, I really do want a column. And I want to get paid for that column. Now, you know, the it used to be, and I've talked about this a hundred times before, if you wrote for a publication, you would get a between one and two dollars, depending on your experience and the popularity of your column. Um, and it was usually an 800-word column per, um, um, usually per week. So you were looking at between, let's say, $1,300 a week. Do you know what I could do with $5,200 a month? I mean, really. <laughs> now it's more like probably 10 cents per word. Um, and that's, again, depending on your, your popularity, your experience, 
and the publication itself. Um, but, and the inspiration for me wanting a column is, for those of you who know me personally, it's not going to be a big shock to you. Um, but it might be a big shock um, to some of my listeners, to some of, some of you guys who don't know me personally. Most people would think it was it would be like Hedda Hopper or um, Cindy Adams or Liz Smith. Um, those women who had really popular gossip columns. And as much as I would love to say um, that's who inspired me, it's just simply not true. Uh, there was a writer, and I, I, I think his name was Aaron, uh, Alan Carter. He had an opinion column and soap opera digest that I would read whenever I could get my hands on a copy. Um, and... Um, it was good. I enjoyed it, but it was just one of those things where I, as much as I enjoyed it, it kind of didn't quite work out for me. And then one day it just suddenly ended. And Carolyn Hempsey debuted her It's It's Only My Opinion column. And that's what I knew. That's what I wanted to do. Her voice was fresh. Um, and this is going to sound arrogant, but in a in a very real way, it reminded me of mine. How I like to write, you know, with the snappy sarcasm and the and the very pointed um, way of laying out the facts. Um, you know, she was, she was very, she was just so great. And then I thought, I could make a living writing about soaps. And I love soaps. Uh, and you know, at the time, there were still... 12 soaps on the air, I believe. Somewhere around there. Um, And so it was like, okay. um, You know, soap operas are never ending, so I'll always have a job. And one by one, um, obviously the soaps were canceled. Now we're left with four. Um, and to be quite honest, I don't like. I try to watch them. I try to keep up with them as much as possible, but none of them have the pizzazz or my loyalty. Like, um. All my children did. And then even Passions. I, I, I watched Passions until the very end. And Sunset Beach. I loved Sunset Beach. I want to get a reboot of Sunset Beach, okay? Can someone make this happen for me? <laughs> um, uh, Alright. <laughs> now that people think I'm crazy... Um, But in all honesty, like, um, you know, with those, with soaps gone, my dreams of having a column kind of vanished. There are so many, there are so many things about, um, gay dating that I can't, I don't have a unique take on that. Um, you know, I've thought about having a sex column, but I, I just haven't found 
the right kind of take on that either. And then last week when I um, wrote about um, Kevin Bacon, the article is called uh, The Love Triangle That Killed Kevin, or not, not Kevin Bacon, David Bacon, I'm sorry. Um, when I wrote the article, The Love Triangle That Killed David Bacon, um, <clears throat> I started formulating the basis for a column on old Hollywood true crime so now I'm going to put it together um, because the article actually performed very very well so I'm going to I'm going to put it together and and try to sell it so Carolyn Hensey if you're listening and I know you're not let's play the drinking game together one day um, the tequila will be on me as a way of saying thank you for inspiring me. And I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So as promised, we're doing a Throwback Thursday segment um, based around the biggest story of the week. That, of course, is the Miley cyrus Liam Hemsworth breakup. Um... Before we get into the throwback part of the gossip, I'm not going to recap everything that's been happening. Um, Well, maybe I will. Who cares, right? Basically, Monday, Sunday evening, Monday morning, it came out that Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth had broken up. Um, Shortly thereafter, there were pictures of Miley kissing Caitlin Carter, who happens to be Brody Jenner's ex-wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife. Um, although there's a question mark on that because um, reports suggest that Brody Jenner and Caitlyn um, Carter were never actually married. They're, they had a ceremony, but no, there was no marriage license. Um, and all week... Um, there's been competing campaigns for who's going to take the blame. It seems as though um, publications are picking sides. Um, page six has clearly is clearly Team Liam, as uh, their top story last night when I um, when I read it was Liam Hemsworth basically being blindsided. Um, by these negative stories coming out that Miley was trying to curb his partying and um, whatnot when that wasn't true. Um, according to uh, a source close, who purports to be close to Liam, neither Miley nor Liam were heavy partiers when they were together. And um, there was a reiteration that neither one cheated. Um, it's also very interesting that none of the stories, and this is really expected in in the gossip world, none of the stories, um, involved, um, quotes from, uh, the actual two people involved in the breakup. Um, there was one quote from, from Miley, (coughs) would not be an episode without me coughing, um, there, there was a quote from Miley um, about ever-evolving and ever-changing, um, which at least in part suggested that um, all that happened was the two couldn't come... The two couldn't come to terms um, with who they were turning out to be. And there's nothing wrong with it. It happens all the time. So. None of that seems to be true, though. Because. Blind Gossip ran an item called Toned It Down for Fast Wedding. 
And they are suggesting that this was all just an act. Let me... I'm going to actually, unlike last week, I don't remember if I read the full Nathan Fillion um, blind or not. But I'm going to read this one. Um, Just because I want to point out a couple things. So... As I said, it's called Tone Down for Fast Wedding. It's been solved and updated. It says, um, This celebrity started out as a sweet, wholesome, goofy, family-oriented girl. That's who he fell in love with. Well, she started to... When she started to provoke people with her extreme behavior, her actor boyfriend was puzzled, but she told him it was only an act designed to sell her work. Then he found out that she didn't want to turn it off. That's what drove him away. Who wants to start a family with someone whose life is about drugs, nudity, and vulgarity? She really wanted... (coughs) She really wanted him back. So much so... (coughs) Sorry. She She really wanted him back. So much so that she was willing to shelve the bad girl and play the nice conservative girl long enough to win him back. She has convinced him that this is the real her and that she has toned it down for good. She is now pushing for a fast wedding. Her friends are not so sure. She acted all sweet and innocent and he bought it. He's full for now, but she hasn't actually given up the wild shit. She's all conservative with him, but when he's not around, she's rolling with her friends. He doesn't know. Here's the thing. If you have to change that much for somebody, they're probably not the one. And I'm going to repeat that for those in the back who need to hear this. If you have to change that much for somebody, they're probably not the one. Um, you know, and that's just... That's just the truth. You know, people don't want to hear it. People will, will say, oh, you're just being negative or you're just projecting. No. When I was with my abusive ex, he wanted me to behave in certain ways that were not consistent with my personality. And I should have seen the warning signs, but I didn't. So, um, by no means am I suggesting that Liam Hemsworth was abusive towards Smiley. Um, but he obviously didn't love her as a person. And here's where I'm pulling that from. Um, when they say, started out as a wholesome, goofy, family-oriented girl. They're not talking about fucking Miley Cyrus. They're talking about Hannah fucking Montana. Okay? He fell in love with Hannah Montana. Or Hannah Montana Money. Um, If you believe that Liam Hemsworth is a gold digger. And for those of you who say men can't be gold diggers, look at Kaylee Cuoco's love life, okay? (laughs) I mean, seriously. Yes, men can be gold diggers, too. Um, there's, there's not a doubt in my mind about that. Um, also, you can be a gold digger and still have your own career. Amber Rose has proven that. Um, But, in all honesty, that's what they, uh, that's, that's what it really sounds like. Um, of course, Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth met on the set of their Nicholas Sparks movie. Um, uh, I forgot, the last song I think it was called, or some, something stupid like that. Mandy said something brilliant the other day. All of his books are so formula, formulaic. That all you have to do is pick up the plot and drop new people in. 
Um, I paraphrased Mandy. I hope that's okay. <laughs> uh, but the, so they made on that set. She was still doing Hannah Montana at the time. And Disney was in charge of her image. So, of course, it's going to be molded in a certain way to appeal to fans. You know, that's just how things... That's just how things are. Um, I don't know how much clearer that can be. Um, and for those of you who think, you know, oh, they were together and then they broke up and it was all because of Miley... Tomorrow, um, I, I did in fact find um, the Hunger Games blind item from Crazy Days and Nights. I thought it was solved, but um, I have not been able to find the solved article yet. But I at least found um, I have at least found um, the um. The, the main article. And it's a lot longer than I thought. So, um, it'll probably be the whole episode. Um, but the biggest part of that was, or one of the parts of that, it does suggest that Liam was not faithful to Miley at all. Uh, um... And I know that there, there are always going to be people who argue, oh, you know, he, they weren't married or whatever. But you're going to condemn Miley for allegedly cheating on him when they weren't married. That's a double standard, and it's not okay. Um, you know, if you're going to... If you're going to impose norms on a couple, you have to you have to impose them on both parties, not just one. Because imposing on just one is misogynistic at best and spiteful and hateful at worst. Do I think that Miley is completely innocent? No. I think both parties probably brought a lot of baggage and a lot of uh, a lot of baggage and a lot of issues to that relationship. And honestly, it probably is just one of those things where they just grew apart. So, you know, sometimes that happens and sometimes we just need to understand that not everything, not everything is scandalous, although sometimes it is. Um, And that's why I have a podcast that I make money off of. Uh, um, Thank you all so much for listening as always. And until next time, cheers.